Sullivan said the shipping delay will not affect Wales hitting its target. Wales aims to vaccinate its priority groups by mid-April and offer all adults a jab by the end of July. Wales has fully vaccinated a higher percentage of its population than any other UK nation. The stern of a huge container ship that has been wedged across the Suez Canal for almost a week has been freed from the shoreline, officials say. Traffic should resume once the ship is moved to a waiting area in a wider section of the canal. A total of 367 vessels are waiting to pass through and officials have said it will take three and a half days to clear the traffic jam that threatened to cause major supply chain issues that could impact many companies and consumers across the globe. More than 60 Welsh charities and organisations have joined forces to launch a Climate Cymru campaign and a thousand individuals, families and businesses have already contributed their own personal stories and suggestions about addressing the threat of global warming. They will be presented to Welsh politicians and showcased as part of an interactive display at the events hall at the UN Climate Change Conference of the Parties, COP26, which will be attended by world leaders in Glasgow later this year. And a young man, Jack, who has been shielding since last year, has been raising money for his special school, Portfield School in Haverford West. Jack lives with severe autism, learning difficulties and epilepsy, and he has found the lockdown particularly hard. Jack and his mum, Claire Gray, are able to go for a 30-minute walk from the house and have been doing this every day since lockdown, and they will complete their walks on the 31st of March. During this time, Jack has raised more than £1,200. If you would like to donate to Jack's Portfield School Fund, you can find the link on Pure West Radio's Facebook page. Greenacres Animal Rescue Centre has been named in the Animal Star Awards 2020 as the Rescue Rehoming Centre of the Year. Congratulations to the team. The awards provide recognition for animals and humans alike for the extraordinary things that they do. The organisation takes nominations from the public for people or organisations that they think deserve recognition. That's the latest. You're up to date on Pure West Radio. This is Pure West Radio. Live from our studios in Haverford West. Very good evening. Welcome to the second half on Pure West Radio. It's Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. Hope you're keeping well this evening. We are live on the Facebook page and the days, a bit like my lockdown hair, are getting longer and there are good times to come. We think we've got a pathway back to rugby returning in Pembrokeshire, which is good news. And we'll reflect on that in the company of the Milford Haven player coach, Steve Martin, who will be joining us in the next 10 minutes or so. We also want you to get to work between now and about quarter to nine with some of your nominations for your Six Nations players of the tournament and who's enhanced their chances of being on that Lions trip to South Africa. Give us your thoughts 
thoughts on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. And just before we talk football, I think we should start with the rugby. Uh, Gordon, what a night that was on Friday. I think we, we were all adopted Scots, weren't we, on Friday night? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, incredible finish again. I think all the games in the Six Nations have been uh, really good to watch and kept everybody uh, stay into the into the 80th minute and beyond. Yeah. Uh, Finn, Finn Russell getting sent off as well. It, it was all happening, wasn't it? And right. Delon, who scored the winning try against Wales, had a chance to kick the ball out. And I don't know what he was thinking of. No idea. Uh, <laughs> he kept it in play and then Vandermau crashed over in the corner for Scotland to win it. And lo and behold, Wales are the Six Nations champions. It was unbelievable. Bill, were you glued to that on Friday night? Yes, I watched most of it and I was delighted for uh, Scotland. It's the first time they've won for over 20 years in France, but even more delighted, of course, for Alan Wynne-Jones uh, and his boys. It was lovely to see them with a the trophy, which I thought they deserved. Yeah. So, you know, there's a little bit of disappointment about the uh, Grand Slam, but that's that's by the by. They, they won the... Uh, you know, the Triple Crown, and they won the championship. That's far more than we could ever expect it. And like Gordon, I thought the whole series has been an epic one. Oh, no, a, no crowds, which makes it even more amazing. I was going to pick yeah. up on that and, and ask Fraser his thoughts on that, actually, because there were no fans in the stadiums, Fraser, but for everyone watching at home, this, this was a Six Nations that had something for everyone, whoever you were supporting. Yeah, absolutely. You were worried about a damn squib, weren't we? With no supporters in there. The Six Nations is a reputation for being such a colourful event on and off the field, you know, and it's not the same when the cities and the host places aren't, aren't filled with away fans. But still, back to Gordon's point about the finishes, you take the Italy games out of it and the remaining 10 games, eight of them, went down to the yeah. final play. That's remarkable. I've never remembered it. Certainly <laughs> not in my lifetime of five or six nations like that. More tries than any, ever before, more red cards than ever before, more talking points than ever before as well. So, yeah, it was it was a tournament which was pleasantly surprising, actually. It was, it was epic. And, and it was almost fitting, although it was so disappointing that Wales lost it that way. It was fitting that it went on that extra week and went down... Oh to that final moment on Friday night. It gave us an extra week of drama, bonus drama, if nothing else, actually. Bill? Yeah, can I just say, it's very nice of you to say there was something for everyone except Italy. It's very nice of you to say that, but I would point out that England came fifth. Their lowest tries ever, their lowest points ever. And just a reminder, as an English person yourself, it's very generous of you to say that. I thought that was lovely. Well, I have to say, you have waited until the tournament's over to give me any stick at all. Yeah, about too, right. Now, now, now you know what's all, happened and Wales have, have become triple crown winners and won the championship. <laughs> it's taken till now. But no, I, I'll suck that up, Bill. And I have to say, uh, well, well, I wasn't going to mention this until later, but if we are going to do this, Warren Gatland has been linked with the England job today. Good. Do you really you believe that? that? <laughs> I, I, Do you really believe that, Ben? I thought that might might wind the three of you up. No, no. I, I think don't. he'd be a great appointment. The only get thing them is, back to playing rugby, not playing word games. Do we have to question if Italy and England now need to play these relegation playoffs? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. <laughs> had Very spoken good. about that, Fraser. You're yeah. quite right. 
I've gone off the idea of relegation in the Six Nations. <laughs> let me tell you that. <laughs> Let's talk football, and we will we'll come back to the rugby before nine o'clock. And we do want your nominations for those players who've caught the eye across all of the teams in the Six Nations. Who's enhanced their Lions claims? But we, we must talk football, and we'll, we'll talk about the Wales football team in a few moments. But Haverford West County first, uh, Bill. Uh, we we spoke on the Pure West Sports Show on Saturday. Uh, you'd heard what Wayne Jones had to say uh, ahead of the weekend's trip to Newtown. He'll have been delighted with a 3-0 win. Yeah, I spoke to Wayne straight after the game. Gordon was doing a match report and we added that on to the bottom of the report then on, on Pembrokeshire Sport. But he was delighted and quite rightly so he'd set up his team to play that sort of game. The, the, the one goal was absolutely stunning. That would have graced any game. The others were good and they played a good game of football. They must go to Pennebon with confidence. They won't be overconfident. We'll make sure of that. But that was a cracking win at Newtown. Newtown, yeah. yeah. And a, a cracking win there. For no, no one wins easily there. No, and Gordon, I think we'll have to say that the Haverford West have got a real ability to bounce back because they had that great win against TNS, struggled a bit against a good Connors key side, but you can't fault their motivation. They've gone to Newtown and won pretty comprehensively. Uh, fair play to uh, Haverford West County and the boys. They're, they're playing really good football at the moment. Um, I watched a little bit of it on Scorio on Saturday, mm. Saturday night and mm. some of the football they played was uh, outstanding. And and the finishes were excellent as well. Uh, the boy Cameron Keach's left footed mm. strike for the second goal was probably one of the best goals I've seen this season. Um whether they'll finish in the top six, that's another big question. We're going to find that out uh, on mm. Friday evening when they all play. Uh, there's a few permutations that can happen, but we're hoping the Harford West will, uh, you know, get into the top six, even though they won't be vying for any of the European spots. So Haverford West play Pennebont on Good Friday. Who mm-hmm. explain the permutations for finishing in the top six? Anyone want to volunteer? Well, we just had a little look. I'm not sure I got it 100%. But for the first thing, we should say that the game is now going to be live on S4C, which is a good boost, really, isn't it? It's allowed a lot of people to watch it. But, I mean, essentially, Apple West have got to go, got to go to Penn and Bond and win. That's the bottom line. Anything less, and they won't be in that top six cutoff. They are then hopefully reliant on TNS beating Caranavon, and that, that would be enough for top six. But... There, there are other sides to it as well. Obviously, still a chance of them catching Pennebont, as Bill's just explained to us off air. If they can beat them by four goals, they can chance to move above them as well. So I think the most likely route is the first one. If they are going to finish there, they've got to win there. And, and one thing they have done this season is respond well. Mm. They've responded well to defeats. They've responded well against sides who have beaten them first time around. And they were, they were quite poor at home to Pennebont in midweek night. They lost 4-0. So they'll want to address that. And um, they just need to go there and concentrate on winning and hope that TNS do the business for them. And it would be a great achievement if, if that was to happen for them. It certainly would. And Bill, that would be a, a really good first season back in the Premier Division. I think whatever happens actually on Good Friday, mm. Wayne Jones and, and, and the chairman, Rob Edwards, and everyone involved at Haverford West will we'll take some real positives from the, the season. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne has said from the start he would just want to avoid relegation. But he always makes the point as well that with Rob Edwards as chairman, and he is... Um, captain, they have a three-year plan. So they're looking to build on this year and do very well next year, and the next year even better again. And he's already told me that there will be some players who will have to go because they're not quite cutting the mustard and they've got plans to bring in people, you know. They, they're actually, the proof of the pudding is they signed Jazz Richards 
and there would be a lot of clubs be saying, I wish we'd got him. So, you know, they have a plan, and I just hope it carries on. It's refreshing to see it, but isn't it lovely, boys, that we got Wayne Jones there, he'll talk to me straight after the game, win or lose, and, and in the end, he's a great example of players. He's a calming influence, and they all think the world of him. Uh, he's done a great job. Uh, Jazz Richards, you mentioned there, Bill, um, mm. was in the Wales squad, of course, for, for Euro 2016. Mm. And we should talk about the Wales football team because uh, it's the Czech Republic tomorrow. Uh, Fraser, you're someone who follows Wales a lot and you, you would have followed some of this campaign had it not been for the COVID restrictions. Where, where do you think Wales are at as they go into the game against the Czech Republic tomorrow? They've had a mixed week, haven't they? It was a disappointment for all of us as well, wasn't there? That, that game in Belgium with, with Joe Allen going off injured just so early into his return. But they, they had the wonderful goal, wasn't it, from Harry Wilson in Belgium. A wonderful team goal as well. But then they were really overrun then for the 25 minutes, the half an hour after that. It was impressive on Saturday against Mexico because they very much changed line-up and, and they beat a team ranked ninth in the world. But ultimately, it doesn't mean anything, I don't think, going into the Czech Republic game tomorrow. This is going to be a very difficult game. You know, we spoke about this possible scenario. Czech Republic drawn with Belgium after beating Estonia. They're already on four points. Assuming Belgium going to win that group, which I think is a fair assumption to make, Wales will be back in Czech Republic for that second playoff spot, so to mm. speak. And if they lose on Tuesday, they're already seven points behind the Czechs, albeit with a game in hand. Um, so I think there's a lot of pressure on this mm. game on Tuesday. I think there are blows there, not having Ramsey and, of course, uh, Joe Allen does make the midfield mm. look considerably weaker. But they did show flashes against Belgium that they can threaten going forward. Um, and if they can get that front three working, if it is going to be Bale and, and James again, or whether Kiefer Moore comes in after his goal on Saturday, we don't know. But they've certainly got enough to, tra- trouble, the, enough to trouble the Czechs. But I'm a little concerned. And, and Czech Republic actually played Belgium off the park for much of the game on Saturday. We're unlucky to draw one all, which is which is a worrying sign, really. Uh, Gordon, Rob, Rob Page takes charge of Wales, of course, right now. And um, we, we know the circumstances as to why. Uh, there's every chance, though, he could be in charge of Wales come the Euros in the summer. I've actually been quite impressed with the way he's gone about this job because it, it's it's not an easy position he finds himself in. No, he's he's made the most of a, you know, he's taken his opportunity. We all know about Ryan Giggs' situation and obviously we can't speak to, about it because of the legalities of it. But um, I, I have to say, I've been impressed with Paige. He's brought in mm. a, a lot of players during his uh, period in charge. And he's playing total football as well, which is good to watch. And uh, I think everybody is benefiting from it. Mm. Bill? Yeah, I, perhaps Fraser can highlight this for me, because I'm sure I read somewhere today that three of the worst players have been, uh, yeah. been taken out of the squad. Because I assumed, first of all, it was for COVID, phrase, but apparently that's not made clear. No, they, they, they've broken a team curfew, uh, Bill, essentially, to be back in bed by a certain time. They're out in the hotel late, and they should have been, and the three of them have been sent home before before Tuesday's game. Blimey. Yeah, and so Paige clearly not not taking any of that and, 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 and sending the three home, yeah, and saying, you know, if you're going to break the curfew, it might seem a bit harsh, but you're not going to be involved for the game against the Czech Republic. I and, think and you- it, it, it does look harsh on paper, but even though it's not a COVID-related case, we're at a time where guidelines are more important than ever, and it's just brainless, and it's... It, and that sort of thing, discipline's important in international setups and players have got to be aware more than ever at the moment 
of rules and regulations they need to stick to. And it's just mindless. I, I almost sighed in disappointment when I read it, to be honest. Yeah. Tyler Roberts, um, Rabbi Matondo, and Hal Robson Carney, one of the experienced members of that squad, been around for some yeah. time. Uh, and he's so been given every chance by Wales. He ought to be ashamed of himself. He has, having had, a, had some time out of the yeah. squad, absolutely. So he, he has been sent home, those three, as, as Fraser said, for, for breaching FAW protocol. So would you think a Wales win tomorrow, chaps? What, what do we think? Tough game against the Czech Republic, but still winnable. I've got home advantage, let's be fair. It's at the Cardiff mm-hmm. City Stadium. Uh, as Fraser's already pointed out, uh, they they need a win. It's, it's important that they do claim a victory, especially at home. Those are the games that you have to win yeah. to pick up the three points. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, Wales will pick up a sneaky 1-0, possibly. But um, I'm not confident, I'll be honest. Convincing wins for England, of course, 5-0 against San Marino and 2-0 against Albania, we, we should mention as well, in the World Cup qualifiers. Not great for the Republic of Ireland, though, beaten by Luxembourg on Saturday evening by a goal to nil. Um, that, that, that wasn't good at all. It was a shock result. Quite amusing. I watched the Wales game. I tried to flick on to the Ireland Luxembourg highlights without knowing the score. And you're watching Ireland miss chance after chance. And I was like, hang on, is, is this going to end nil nil? All of a sudden, came that late. Mm-hmm. It, it's ironic, isn't it? Though Mick McCarthy, I thought, was doing a very good job with Ireland, and is doing a very good job with Cardiff now. Mm. And you just wonder, was that the right decision to remove him after just ten games? Possibly mm. not. That defeat mm. for uh, the Republic of Ireland it compares to England losing. Who did they lose to? San Marino 1-0, was it? Who did they lose to? Or maybe Iceland in the Euros, Iceland, I think you're talking about. It. Yeah, it's, it's in that. <laughs> He's on form, isn't he? Right, listen, we will take a moment, and when we come back, uh, we are going to find out why there's a pathway, at least, to rugby returning in Pembrokeshire and across Wales. Milford Haven RFC player coach Steve Martin will be our guest on Pure West Sport. Do you dream of being out on the road, taking in the sights and sounds of Pembrokeshire? Thanks to Fast Track Driving School, I'm free to venture around the county, and now it's your turn. Fast Track is a triple award-winning driving school covering Pembrokeshire, Carmarthen, Cardigan and Llanelli. If you fancy a change of career in 2021, they are also instructor trainers. They even run driving lessons for those as young as 14. Want to learn something new in the new year? Fast Track it. On Facebook at Fast Track Driving School or call on 0333 See you on the road. Hi, Bob. Have you heard the news? Good, thanks, Chris. What's that? We're one of the finalists for Butcher Shop of the Year. Oh, congratulations to you and the team, Chris. Wow, what's that smell? That's our homemade freshly cooked pies and pasties that we now serve daily in the shop. Looks and smells great. I'll have a steak and Guinness pie and the usual, please. Prendergast Butchers, Haverford West. Master Butchers, providing the finest quality meats to Pembrokeshire for 70 years. We're open for orders, either in the shop or on our website, prendergastbutchers.co.uk. If you can't get to us, no problem. We're offering a delivery service. Give us a call on 01437 763 387. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Pembrokeshire Vision Arts Wales, a brand new creative hub in Haverford West. Playing host to a youth and amateur theatre company, a show-stopping choir and a multitude of masterclasses from Broadway and West End talent. Calling all actors, singers, dancers and those who want to bring the West End to Wales. Vision Arts has the spotlight and the curtain is about to rise. Ready to take centre stage? Visit visionartswales.com This is Pure West Radio for Pembrokeshire from Pembrokeshire. 
Positions on Pure West Radio. It is Monday evening. I'm Ben Stone, Pure West Sport with G&G Builders in the company of Bill Kahn, Gordon Thomas and Fraser Watson. Before nine, uh, we want you to nominate your Six Nations player of the tournament after Wales took the Triple Crown and won the championship after that really fine win for Scotland in Paris. Who caught your eye during the Six Nations? But let's turn our attention back to domestic rugby right now and the WRU have set out a pathway at least to the return of rugby as we uh, have some of the Covid restrictions relaxed. Uh, Fraser just run us through this announcement and what it looks like. Yeah very positive news came from the WRU last week with the announcement of this, this roadmap so to speak which will see teams playing league rugby back in January 2022. May the 1st is the date where, where all youth and senior male and female side will be permitted to go back for training. It will be modified training, no scrums, which wouldn't particularly bother me. It might be <laughs> difficult for a few others, maybe. But then from mid-July, friendly 15-a-side matches, hopefully, if, if things remain under control in terms of COVID-19, we'll be back. Then August, September, we'll see the return of WIU competitions. Now, I'm assuming we're talking cup competitions there, perhaps the Pembrokeshire Cup as well, if they were able to to organise that. December and January, there's going to be a winter break, whatever happens, um, perhaps with a possible third wave in mind later in the year, which a few people are predicting. And then all being well in mid-January, there'll be a modified league season, which we assume will be everyone playing each other once. But this is a, it's a very significant step. It's the first time these clubs have been given any kind of, of timeline and any kind of dates to aim for, really. 
Yeah, it, it was at least it was good to have that Fraser, wasn't it? Just some indication of what the, the next few months look like. Although when you see that January start for League Rugby, that doesn't half seem a long way off, doesn't it? In fact, if that was when League Rugby could return, it would almost be two years of no League Rugby, which is just unbelievable. No one would have predicted that. We're going to get some reaction from that uh, story right now uh, with our next guest, aren't we, Bill? Yes, we are. I'm delighted. You've got a, you've got a very special guest in, the, in Steve Martin, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. He's been an outstanding sort of attribute to, to Milford, but before that, he was a good player at Narbeth, a very good centre there. He played there superbly, went back to his home club, Nayland, and played his heart out there and coached. And now he's at Milford Haven, and he's done a wonderful job, not only in the coaching with Gully Williams, Nathan Williams, but also with his fundraising, with his encouragement of stuff off the field. I'm delighted that he's just been promoted to be inclusion manager in my old school, Milford Aiden Comprehensive. You look after it for me, Stevie boy. We've got a very special guy here tonight. So, Steve, I'm chuffed you're here. It's lovely to see you. Yeah, great to have you on. Nice yeah, to have you with yeah. us, Steve. Um, we, we just heard from Fraser there what that pathway might look like. So what, what's your reaction to that? How, how do you see the next few months uh, stacking up? Really? Um, it's nice to have uh, some dates in place. I think uh, most coaches, players, they just wanted a date so they could set set a target. So it's it's quite nice to actually have dates. However, um, seniors coming back in May, I think, too early. Mm-hmm. As, much as, they, as much as they want players back, I think... With it possibly being a May to May season, that's twelve months. Um, your boys playing cricket. Your boys that are um, self-employed, so they do hobbles in the evening. So you're limited to what you probably do anyway. So, but it's nice for, for the youngsters to have uh, some rugby to get back out on the field. I just hope that the coaches are sensible with their approach. And they don't go crazy from the start. Being in mind that the kids haven't had well much time with their friends, so. I'm hoping that the coaches just just have a sensible approach to their their return. Okay, plenty to talk to you about. Let me bring Gordon in um, at this point. Go on, Gordon. Good evening, Steve. Nice to have you on the show. Um, I'm just wondering, you're going through all the guidelines and everything that you have to uh, adhere to. The difficulty is, obviously, with COVID-19 still uh, surfacing around everywhere. Uh, How how do you envisage clubs all getting back together and organising training sessions? And what will training sessions look like now at this moment in time? At the moment, all you can do is... uh... Is skills and fitness and small amount of touch. So for youngsters, I don't, I can imagine many youngsters actually want to do any fitness. A lot of youngsters just want to do contact. So it's, it's trying to get the balance of of getting the kids back on the field, doing some training, um, but also not not getting them bored and not not blasting them because I think that would be the problem. Is is coaches to see what what he can do, what he can't do, and it'll just end up being a fitness session, which is is not the point of kids rugby, is it? No, no. Razor. D, is this, we talk about what a challenging time it's been and how it's going to be challenging for players and club organisers and club staff in some cases and so on. But but for you or a coach, is this also going to be perhaps the most difficult challenging time in your career? Because you, you're now planning sessions which, which completely go against everything you've learned and worked towards. And especially at senior level now, you're going to be undertaking training, you're going to be overseeing it and it's going to be so different to what you learned before and you've also got to manage the, the boys that you're coaching to make sure they stay within those guidelines as well is it, is it a, in a way a, a fascinating challenge but also a difficult one that's coming up for you 
Oh, yeah, very much so. It's, you know, I think as coaches, every coach wants a challenge, they? they always they always want to challenge themselves. It's just a different type of challenge. It's, I know, it's it's a tough one. It's, again, it's how to find a balance of of doing a training session, but also making it worthwhile for the players. Because at the end of the day, it is, it's it's a hobby, isn't it? So they're giving up their free time. So you've got to make sure you get that balance correct, you know? We joked, I know we made a joke about the no scrummaging thing there, but do you think that, that's going to have an impact on some people as well? Because if, if you are a forward and you do love that aspect of the game, you're taking away oh, one yeah. of the well, big fundamentals. You know, the W's motto, isn't it, is um, a jersey for all. But if you take away scrums and you take away potentially line-outs, then you're not really making it a jersey for all. You're, you're, you're nitpicking and you're choosing which players will play. You, know, you potentially could have then a team of back row players. Mm-hmm. Are you concerned about the numbers, Steve? Uh, you know, getting back to training. You're talking about the restricted training sessions that you have to do. Are you are you really a little bit worried that players might get a little bit fed up and not even turn up because of what we're just talking about? No contact. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a tough one. It is. I, I like to think the boys on are quite keen anyway, but yeah, they've had so long off now. Um, have they enjoyed their Saturdays off? Have they enjoyed not going training on a Tuesday and Thursday? It, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm quite confident in with, with ourselves that our boys are fine. But you never know. You don't know what goes on between those four walls. It's no. they've had those Saturdays off now. They can find a hobby. You know, it's mm. it's it's going to be a challenge. I don't know where we're going to go, but I just have to wait and see. I suppose with me. What's it been yeah. like, Steve? It's been almost, well, it's been over a year now since, since the, the COVID restrictions have been in place. What's that been like for the club? Obviously, keeping in contact with the players, but also everything that goes on behind the scenes. It, it's been difficult for everyone, and sports clubs have been badly impacted, haven't they? No doubt about oh, it. Yeah, well, massively. If you, you think of sports clubs, their probably biggest income is on a Saturday. You, you take away that Saturday, Saturday rugby, and then any other like, parties they have in the evening. That's, well, that's all their money. It's... It's, it's a hard one. And you've got coaches when they get back, the players when they get back, the staff when they get back in the club. Um, you know, and it, it's all well and good having these friendlies in, well, they pencil in for July, I think it is. Mm. But if you haven't got uh, any supporters to put money behind the bar, then it was kind of irrelevant, really. Mm. Bill? Yeah, Steve, my worry for rugby in particular is that the 30, 30 pluses like yourself, a lot of them will have settled into a new routine and perhaps be a bit reluctant. But Milford has been special in this pandemic with your, with one or two other clubs where you've been doing so much work off the field anyway and doing lots of physical activity. Do you and Gully and the other coaches see that as a way of keeping the boys in the club still interested outside the training session. So you keep them involved in the club because the Hoyler is terrific. Well, that was, that was the, that was the reason behind the press up challenge back in the beginning of the first lockdown was, which is to keep the boys all together, all connected and keep that, that close unity. So, um, yeah, it's, we, we try our best to do things, but until we've got actual dates for, for the season, we've, you know, we've got a rough idea, but there's no actual structure in place. So it's very hard to actually at the moment put down a plan for when we're going to do pre-season. It might, it might be a difficult question, but as I said, Fraser ran through the dates and, and, and what's proposed, Steve. Um, yeah. do, do you have confidence in them? So to start with, you, you know, the, the fact that friendlies could operate in mid-July and we, we could see some form of cup competition, but it's vague, isn't it? It's August to November. How much confidence do you have that in reality we will see something like that happen? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
it's, it's great that I put an idea of a cup competition in, but how that's going to pan out, how that's going to look, I don't know. It's you know, are there going to be more restrictions in place back then? Is, is restrictions going to be lifted? It's, it's just question. It's who knows, isn't it? It's there's not an answer at the moment. Nice, uh, Gordon. Yeah, well, that is, you hit the nail on the head, there, Steve. We're, we're all clutching at straws here. Uh, we all know that rugby is a, a contact game. Uh, the, the lads get together every Saturday and in midweek to train. The camaraderie and the team spirit is being broken because of this uh, pandemic. Yeah. And it's difficult to think of ideas to keep um, uh, keep them all active and involved in the club. I, you know, my heart goes out to every club in, in Wales and beyond. It's so difficult at this moment in time to um, to do anything and prepare. So we're just going round in circles all the time saying we can do this, we can't do that. It, it, it is difficult and nobody has got the answers. Until the government restrictions are lifted and this pandemic is under control, then we can see hopefully rugby moving forward then. That's, that's yeah. how I see it, Steve. Exactly. The problem is as well, um, I, I'm phrasing this as well, friendlies no one really wants to play a friendly unless it leads into a league season or, yeah. or something like that so mm. it's all well and good saying you can play friendly 15 side matches but you know not many players actually want to play a friendly if it's a friendly it's a warm-up game ready for a league or for a cup it's mm. it, boys just don't want to play a month of friendlies there's there's nothing out there's no outcome out of it like especially yeah. that if if the pubs aren't open or the club isn't open then it's just you know, that's what boys, that's what rugby's about, isn't it? It's it's about the social aspect more social so than players. Side away as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll yeah have a rugby, and then the boys are ready to have a have a pint in the club afterwards. Mm. Yeah, Steve, ignoring the uh, the giant white elephant in the room, yeah, and that's aside from COVID at the moment. Back to your, your role now in, in Milford Haven. You in your first season there, you guys achieved promotion, um, winning that title, which you'd waited so long to do. You then made the step. You you were on course to survive um, yeah. in Division Two West before the season was curtailed. Anyway, um, how did you think the boys adapted to that step up to a higher level? And when we do resume, whenever it may be, I've got young kids too, mate. I know that problem. Um, when when we do get to resume in the season to come, how confident are you? This current group of players can establish themselves as a Division Two side. Oh yeah, um, without a doubt. You you can see. Two seconds. You can see after what's called when we're halfway through there. Division two. The boys. The boys adapted well. It, you know, it took a few games against it, but we, the games we lost, we didn't lose by many points. Yeah, say hello. <laughs> yeah, it's the beauty of being live on the radio, working for them and all sorts. We've all had this no, character. You know, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> the games we lost in Division two. It wasn't by many. It was a few scores here and there, and um, they they adapted very very well and like. You know, we 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 did what's called. We added a few new players now. Ready, for, well, was for last year, but obviously for, for the season coming now. Um, and the boys that we've adapted or we picked up, um, I think you know we give Division Two a very good go. What was the uh, the main difference in stepping up, Steve? Was it did it take the boys a bit of getting used to? Because when you are in Division Three West, there, don't want to say it, you do get a lot of gimme matches, don't you? You know, yeah. half your games, you could say St. David's twice. I don't like saying that. Langham, you could pinpoint six or seven games at least at the start of the year. You know you're going to win. And you know you're going to win comfortably. In Division 2, you don't have that luxury. You're in a battle every no, week. No, the boys do, rose to that well? Yeah. I, I think they enjoyed it. I think, I think the boys enjoyed the fact that every game was was going to be a challenge. Where, no, and no, no disrespect to the teams in Division 3. But, you know... 
I know, like I said, Dave was a lion. Those games, those games, you know, Bruford are always going to win, aren't they? Unless there's some sort of disaster. But the boys, again, no disrespect to the Vision Sat three sides, but the boys enjoyed that challenge week in, week out. I, I think, I think that's what they wanted and that's what they needed. But listen, Steve, I think it's bedtime in your house. So I, I think we you've done a sterling job, I have to say. I wish I, it was, Ben. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I think we, we will let you we will let you go now because I do think there'll be some of the boys in Milford who are going to take the mickey if we let you carry on. Uh, can I just say, though, just before we do finish, um, Jonathan Evans has got in touch to say, you're doing a great job, Steve. Um, his idea is that a local cup, cup competition with, with two or three competitive fixtures could actually give the boys some incentive to get back training. It, no, I, that, Joe, I, I, that's that's what that's what has to happen. Mm. There has to be a local cup then as friendlies, so at least there's a a challenge. Yeah, mm. uh, Geraint has said, um, could you test every player before every game and then another one afterwards? It, it's not a bad idea, but the cost for clubs, I imagine, is, is something that would probably make that difficult. Yeah, that's 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 expensive, isn't it? Like a lot of clubs aren't going to be in that financial situation where they could probably afford. 60 tests for, for a Saturday. It's you know, a great idea. If, if the W and, the, and they can put money towards it, then brilliant. But Yeah. Uh, and just to finish, uh, Ken Davis says, Steve's daughter is the best guest you've had on the show so far. <laughs> I just I love that. <laughs> so I think that's a good place to finish. Listen, Steve, thank you ever so much for your time. Uh, thank hey, you, thank for, you guys. for, for telling lot, us what's Steve. going on down at Milford. And let's just keep yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, Take welcome care, anytime. Dave. Hopefully we'll get some rugby back at some point soon. And we'll talk a bit more about that uh, with Fraser, Bill and Gordon. And we want your nominations for the Six Nations players who've caught your eye. So we'll do that in a few moments. Brilliant. Sports. Valero Community Update on Pure West Radio keeps you updated with the various projects Valero are supporting in Pembrokeshire. From sports clubs, schools, charities and musicians to members of staff from Valero who volunteer their time. We hear about the latest community projects Valero do to support our community on the last Wednesday of every month at 9.30am and 5.30pm only on Pure West Radio. If you miss it, catch up on the podcast at purewestradio.com. The Valero Community Update. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Pembrokeshire Vision Arts Wales, a brand new creative hub in Haverford West. Playing host to a youth and amateur theatre company, a show-stopping choir and a multitude of masterclasses from Broadway and West End talent calling all actors, singers, dancers and those who want to bring the West End to Wales. Vision Arts has the spotlight and the curtain is about to rise. Ready to take centre stage? Visit visionartswales.com Change for Life is about small changes we can make to be healthier. For loads of ideas to cut back fat, watch the salt, make sugar swaps or get you five a day, just search online for Change for Life. We are Pure West Radio. your show now so what's it gonna be cause people will tune in how many train wrecks do we need to see before we lose touch of and we thought this was low well it's bad getting worse oh, where'd all the good people go I've been changing channels I don't see them on the TV show 
people go We got heaps and heaps of what we saw They got this and that with a rattle attack test And one, two, man, what you gonna do? Bad news, missed news, got too much to lose Give me some truth, now whose side are we on? Whatever you say, turn on the boob tube I'm in the mood to obey, so lead me astray And by the way now, where'd all the good people go? I've been changing channels, I don't see them on the TV show Where'd all the good people go? We got heaps and heaps of what we saw and good people on pure west radio it is monday evening pure west sport with g and g builders find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk i'm ben stone fraser watson bill khan and somewhere out there is gordon thomas he, he popped off for a coffee uh, during that song and he hasn't returned yet so hopefully he'll be back with us very soon indeed but let's let's before we um, move on uh, fraser and bill let's reflect a bit on what steve martin had to say and, and bill fraser and i were, were just talking off air as well uh, when that WRU plan came out, uh, thank you for rejoining us, Gordon. Just for your information, we are live on the air, just so you, you don't get confused. That has happened previously. Uh, so <laughs> think on your best behaviour. Uh, when that first came out, Bill, that WRU roadmap, we, we thought it was, it was broadly quite positive because it did at least indicate some dates for when rugby could return. The more you just talk it through with Steve from Milford RFC and you explore some of the dates and the, the, the wide gaps between the months, it's still a lot of uncertainty for rugby clubs. I have to say, Ben, that I am a little bit of a cynic about that roadmap in the sense that there's so many imponderables. And if we're not careful, we'll drive some people away with false hopes. Because, as he said, 
you take a front row. If we're told there's no scrimmaging, I mean, Gordon and Fraser would know the jokes from front rowers who say, never mind the ball, let's just go on with the game. Mm. And they, they want to be playing physically strong rugby. Second rows want to be in the lineouts. Flankers want to be tackling, entering into rucks and moors. And it's not going to, the beauty of rugby, unlike some other sports, everybody can fit in. You've got your little fat guy at hooker. You were in that, I'm told, when you were playing originally with the English schools. And in the end, you you know, it's going to... It's be a whippy winger nowadays, Bill. I know that, yeah. <laughs> but you, um, you, I think it's raising false hopes in some ways. I think Fraser said, and I agree with him totally, there's not going to be any rugby, in my opinion, this year. And the sooner we get used to that and get boys enjoying a bit of touch rugby and, and doing that stuff, but I can't see there being full contact rugby competitive leagues or cups for a long, long time. But I thought uh, Gordon actually said it as well whilst we were talking mm. to Steve. You, you said, Gordon, you know, there, there are so many things we don't know with, with COVID-19 still. And I thought you were, you were almost suggesting that we shouldn't have a roadmap because actually we don't know what's going to happen. Was that the point yeah. you were trying to make when we were talking? That was the point exactly. I mean, we're all clutching our straws, aren't yeah. we? we? We all wanted to go back to normality. Unfortunately, this pandemic isn't going to allow that. Uh, until we've got that under control, that's when sport can uh, return properly, and especially a contact game like rugby. Yes. There's just no way you can play it. Uh, you know, I think financially for the clubs, it's a huge impact. We all know that. And for the communities as well that go to watch games and get involved, it's really, really tough. But there's no way around it at this moment in time. And we have to be honest. And I think the rugby union should be honest about it and tell tell it how it is. Be straight, because we need to know. Uh, Fraser, Geraint's come back on and said, could, could we wait until every player effectively has had a COVID vaccine? Is there is there anything in that as as a suggestion? Because on paper it sounds like that could, that could be something you could say. You could say you can't play until you, you you've been vaccinated, and then we can talk about contact rugby returning. Is that it's, is that workable? Like Steve said about the testing, it, it's it's great in theory, but it's based on ideology, isn't it? We, we don't mm. know at this point. There's talk already, and in the short term now, there's going to be some kind of break in the vaccination program where they where they get more supplies, and we don't know when everyone's going to be vaccinated, and you could have a situation then where you've got some boy perfectly willing to play rugby for whatever reason. He might be one of the only people in the team who hasn't got a vaccination, uh, and and people can go ahead and, and train and get normal and carry. No, I don't. I don't think that is feasible. If I'm totally honest, I, looking back at this WIU plan, I totally agree with the points Bill and Gordon made. I will say that I think from their point of view, and we've criticised them a lot in the past, and we continue to do so. Uh, I do as well. I don't away from that, but they've been under a lot of pressure to be proactive. And, and to at least be seen to be trying to get things going again. The same with the FAW, which is perhaps why they have given these provisional data and this roadmap, so to speak, has come out. Um, it's a difficult situation. I, I think Steve's right. I don't think teams going to be playing friendlies every Saturday throughout July. I think even if these dates prove to be proved right, it's still going to be August, September time before you see friendlies start. You don't play friendlies unless they're leading into something competitive. Everyone knows that. But there's still a long road ahead. I think... The fact that they've been under so much pressure, though, and they want to be seeing, to be proactive, trying to do as much as they can for the community game, where they've had a lot of criticism in the past, is probably why we've had this this announcement. 
Um, similar from Ken Davis, actually, um, a, a vaccine passport like they're speculating might come in to be able to. Well, there's different state, different steps to this. What one for international travel, which is one thing. The second, there's some talk of something being looked at for for hospitality venues. Personally, I've, I've got some issues with that. I'm not convinced that's the right way to go. Would you say, Bill or Gordon, would, would you say that's something that should come into local rugby? Would you be comfortable with that, asking every player to have had the vaccine before they can turn out for your Milford, Pembroke Dock, Haverford West? Is that the way to go? I, I go one of the problems I see with it is the, the vaccine will almost give you the, the 100% chance, not quite that, of not picking up COVID or becoming very ill, which is what I want from my vaccine. I don't want to be made very, very ill and be put on a life support machine. But it doesn't guarantee that you can pass on no, it doesn't. The virus. So if you had someone who inadvertently played, I mean, talk, you know, had his vaccinations, but had been given that infection by someone else, in that short period, they could then pass. You imagine a front rows, boys, someone who's got the ability to pass that on. And then it goes to the other one, and he's, he's okay because he's had the, the vaccination. But until everyone in this country has had that vaccination, then... I've got my doubts about I've got my doubts about passports. I can understand why the government wants to do it, but it won't work because in the end, you see the people in Bristol and you see the people who are on the coastal path now or up in the Lake District. There are people who are not going to follow it. They they're just hopeless. I'm very disappointed with that. Lots of reaction to that conversation with Steve. Jason has said, and this is something Bill you, you touched on in the, in the conversation, uh, where, where we said, "Could we get friendlies back in July?" Uh, I, I must admit, on the WR pathway, WRU pathway, that that's something that struck me as a bit strange. Where they're, they're saying friendlies in July, then a cup mm. competition in August and November. You know, well, if you can play friendlies, why can't you play? Why can you then play mm. a cup and, and that type of thing? And, and Jason has said we had the same problem last year with football. You start yeah. off with friendlies but no end product it's disheartening just make a decision if it starts or not do we have sympathy to that view absolutely jason i think is right with that you know the football was raised the hopes were raised hugely and then they were dashed and i think you know with rugby if you're playing friendlies or you're playing a cup game you're still gonna are you gonna get rid of rucks and malls are you gonna get rid of scrums and lineups for those if you're not I think we saw the same scenario with the cricket last year, didn't we? When they said we could go back in August, you know, every club was, was voicing their excitement and we were put into these hub groups and people were envisaging a month of friendlies. I could name a few sides who lost in the first week in the first round of Harrison Allen, whatever cup competition they were in and wouldn't play again. That, that, that was it. That They were done and, and they struggled to drum up enough interest to feel the side. We would probably have been similar. We were very lucky that we had the Alan Brown to fall back on, so we had some kind of thing to focus on throughout that whole month. Had we not, I dare say we wouldn't have played half the games that we did. Mm. Um, yeah. It's an emotive topic, this. There's no, there's no doubt oh. about it. And at the heart and, of and, it... And the best bit is, Ben, there is no answer to it. There is no answer. There's no easy answer. We can't say for definite what, what, what we can do and what we can't do. You know, we're just going around in circles all the time. The only yeah. positive I'd say is the fact that we are able to contemplate returning to rugby is obviously a positive. It's far more advanced from where we were on a few months ago, isn't it? Mm. Okay. If you look, if you look Ben, well, can I just say, yeah, yeah. We, we're going to know now whether cricket can go ahead on the 22nd. The first fixtures are due on the 25th. And you take cricket, there's very little physical contact. The only contact is the ball. The, the people who go to watch, I can understand them being disgruntled because you imagine the, the, the circumference of a 
cricket pitch. And and there's going to be loads of chance to make sure you're socially distanced. But the, the uh, Cricket Board of Wales didn't want that, neither did the government, really. They don't spectators there. And it's at least cricket has got a chance of going ahead. So, like Fraser says, that's one positive to come out of it. We could have yeah. a full season of cricket if people are sensible. But who knows with the way this country is with people behaving. Less than a month ago, in fact, yeah. until we, we yeah. hope the cricket resumes in Pembrokeshire. And let's actually talk about England's cricketers, shall we? And then we're going to finish by picking out some of our best Six Nations performances uh, from, from the competition before we hand over to Ronnie, Jay and Steve Parsons at nine. So uh, what did we make of the, the one day international yesterday, chaps? I thought Sam Curran, a player I really rate, came of age actually yesterday. Unfortunately, didn't, didn't take England home. But what an innings that was and what an exciting game series, wasn't it, from well, arguably the two best white ball sides in the world. Mm. I did like the way England played. They didn't get it right in the first or the third game, but they went out with an intent to attack and they're a seriously dangerous side and we saw the way they chased down 300-plus in that second game. When they click, they, they can be very destructive. It's the T20 World Cup that is coming up later in this year in India and I, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a great watch and I think there's India as well they, they keep unearthing these deputants they've done it right the way from that tour to Australia at the end of the year and it was I thought it was a really gripping series disappointing that England lost it but it was gripping from the first T20 to the very last one day international I, I was quite enthralled it was gripping, and, and he says gripping, Gordon, and um, Fraser does now. He wasn't saying that around about two o'clock yesterday afternoon. I did say I wouldn't read this out on the air, but he, he did message me <laughs> at two o'clock to say the cricket's all over now. Uh, that I think that was just after Moeen Ali was out yeah. and Sam Curran it was only on about 10, not out. He said it's all over. But it, 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 Fraser is right. that you, you just couldn't take your eyes off that yesterday, could you? I was on the edge of my sofa. I didn't move for about an hour thinking, are we going to, are we going to see it through? We nearly did. Yeah, I mean that's that's the beauty of uh, that that type of cricket, isn't it? You know, um, it's bish bash stuff. And uh, to be fair, Sam Curran was outstanding yesterday. Uh, it just they lost by seven runs, but as it's been pointed out, the whole series has been excited, and there's been some brilliant cricket played. And home advantage has proved in India's favour. Let's be honest; it would probably be a different turnaround if it was a summer in England. So, uh, you know, overall. I, I've enjoyed the series as well, to be fair. It's been excellent. Uh, we, we were just going to mention, actually, because we, we've got the 100 due to start, Bill, and, and this is probably a whole other show we could do on this, and I, I do want to do the Six Nations bit um, to finish off. But I, I've actually, I've really enjoyed the test matches. I like the 50 over. I like the T20. Bill, I imagine you're a traditionalist. You're not looking forward to the 100. You don't think there's any need for it, do you? I'm, I'm absolutely not in favour of it. If you look at the, the games that have gone on, as the boys have said, it's been absolutely stunning series. But anything, like they've got the, the T10. Well, that's okay, but it takes away any... All you want in that is mm. sloggers. Good stroke players are going to hit big. The 100 is only a, a, a sort of slightly lesser version of the T20. Why fix yeah. something that's working? The T20 is stunning. The 50 over is, is, the best, is a great game, not the best. I love test cricket. Me but you're not bish-bash with that. You've got to build your innings over mm-hmm. 50 and mm-hmm. you get spells. You know, England look like getting 360. They got 330. England, you query whether Tom Curran, for all his bravery, Sam Curran, for all his bravery, tried to farm the bowling at the end. It didn't work. Yeah. I applaud him. 
But uh, no, no hundreds, no tens. I, right, I'm listen. not a cricket connoisseur, Bill, as you quite rightly point out. But what really stuns me is uh, we have Test match cricket and England struggled to get 200 runs. And then in a 50-over game, they score over 300 with perhaps a few tweaks with different players. How does that happen? Wickets. We haven't got time. We haven't got time to answer that question. because we are playing we do on need... the same ground, though. <laughs> Wickets, <laughs> not grounds. We we will do we will uh, we'll do an hour of of cricket as yeah. we get nearer the season because we need to finish on a quick fire question for the three of you. Wales won the Six Nations. It was a fantastic effort. It was an exciting tournament. I want to finish on your players of the tournament. Could be from Wales. Could be from elsewhere. If you want to throw in some contenders for the Lions, uh, Lewis Rees Zamet, and I got it right. Fantastic. He was my player of the tournament. I was going to say Gordon. You start. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and he was I, fantastic. I, he scored some brilliant tries. He really elevated himself to the top of the tree. He will surely go on the Lions tour. He's been fantastic. I thought he was brilliant. Brilliant. I would second that. He was my choice as well. Bill Khan. And notice I only said one player. Right, amazing. I'm going to say a couple. Lewis Reeves was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. What a find for Wales. We're very lucky. He's going to be a blessing. If you're talking about the Lions, I'd like to see someone... George North, I thought, played well this year. And uh, Wynne Jones, whether he'd get in because there's so many props. My player of the tournament has to be Alan Wynne Jones. He played every minute of every game. He led Wales with distinction. He fought well and he sang the national anthem brilliantly. He'd do for me. Uh, uh, Lewis uh, Rees-Samit, good second. But Alan Wynne Jones. Alan Wynne for the Lions, Bill? Uh, I think they will pick him as captain, but I hope they pick him. He got to play in the test. It's no good him being a, a you know a week midweek games and then just captain by name. You got to lead the side. There's no one in England who can do it. That's for sure. Peter, Peter, my dad <laughs> says the referee. Uh, Jason Chapman says I agree. The referee against England was class. Uh, Fraser, I'm going to go for a bit of a left field one. Actually, I thought Tad Byrne in the Irish second row was absolutely outstanding. He put the shining light of what up until that last game against England was quite a mediocre championship for uh, for the Irish. His stats in carrying and getting around the park for a second row were phenomenal. And I think he's actually played his way into that Lions squad. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was about to say he was the first, he'd be one of the first names to go on the plane. It is a plane now. It's going to be a bus for a bit, but it is a plane again. <laughs> they, they go to South Africa. Yeah. It was Wales a ferry at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. Wales were yeah. presented with Captain Dare's coach. And I'm not suggesting it bias, but you go for the combinations you're very familiar with. I think the whole back row will go. They've impressed throughout. Alan Wynne Jones will obviously go. Um, Reece Samet will go to and I think Josh Adams would as well and I think Liam Williams I think they'll be very well represented I think Ken Owens will be there as well George North what will be nice this time around is we might be a greater representation of Scotland players as well because that's been lacking in the last couple of tours but Hamish Watson has been the outstanding seventh of the Six Nations so you'd think Ego and a few others as well and nice for Warren Gatland to do that job before he, he moves on to a bigger one, of course, before he becomes the next well, England head coach. It's a bit awkward because yeah, he won't be yeah. picking any of the English lads, so he definitely won't be taking on the England job. Then, in all he? honesty, though, it has turned around. You, you've named so many Wales players in contention now. Uh, and actually, if this if we'd been talking about this in December, there wouldn't have been so many names, would there? There really wouldn't. That, that's how far it's turned around. Yeah, it was incredible. I remember reading the papers and a lot of, uh, you know, the correspondents were putting the Alliance teams up and there were hardly any Wales players in that lineup. And then at the end of this series, lo and behold, nearly every player was picked from Wales to go. 
Producer Tom has just reminded us that Warren Warren Gatland has never picked more than three Scots. We'll have to say if he's got any Welsh roots left in in him at all. After that win in France, that's the least he can do. We'll have to get that Tom Dwyer on the the show. Yeah, that's a good point, I think. Well, listen, chaps, thoroughly enjoyed it. Really good to talk sport, as always, on a Monday evening. We will do it again on Saturday. Uh, The show, of course, starts at 8 o'clock and back again for an Easter special from 7 on Easter Monday. Enjoy the company back to back with Ronnie J and Steve Parsons on the way after the news enjoy the rest of your Monday and keep it with Pure West Radio for Pembrokeshire from Pembrokeshire this is Pure West Radio With the latest news for Pembrokeshire, I'm Kim Thomas. There were no new cases of coronavirus recorded in Pembrokeshire or Ceredigion, according to the figures of Monday, March the 29th, but there were seven in Carmarthenshire. Public Health Wales data shows there were seven new cases in the Huelvar Health Board area, all of them in Carmarthenshire. Across Wales, 125 new cases have been confirmed and one new suspected COVID-19 death has been reported. The total number of cases in Wales is now 